This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Gordon Damer flying solo again tonight. Larry on vacation, enjoying that. Uh, has probably not even, Wherever he is, probably has not even mentioned the word Zach Wilson today. Oh, what a world to live in like Larry Hardesty. But we are locked and loaded for the next two hours. Of course, the number you know. 1-800-919-ESPN. You can find me on uh, Twitter, on Instagram, at Gordon Damer. But most importantly, you can find me right here on your radio until midnight. And, man, do we got enough to discuss tonight over the next couple of hours or so. You got the uh, big U.S. World Cup win today, able to take down a soccer superpower that is Iran, holding on for dear life against the team that uh, has never made it out of the group stage before. But, hey, a win's a win, I guess. So we'll get into that. We'll, uh, we will check in. Uh, you know, I don't know if there's going to be any updates in the course of the night, but we'll see if Christian Pulisic is uh, out of the ICU after he collided with someone today. So uh, we'll check in on that throughout the course uh, of the evening as well. we got to start to look ahead to Week 13. Big games for the Giants. Big games for the Jets. Absolutely. And, I mean, when was the last time you really could say that? Because December starts on Thursday. And when was the last time either the Giants or the Jets had an important game in December? But uh, that will uh, hold off for now. Let's start with the Knicks. Of course, the game you heard right here on 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. Knicks beat the Pistons tonight by 30. Round number, 140 to 110. So that makes the record now 10 wins, 11 losses on the season. Uh, Julius Randle, aggressive early, hit his threes, finished with 36 on his birthday, no less. Seven rebounds, five assists, five guys in uh, double figures for the Knicks as well. And here's the thing. For a night, the Knicks did what they were supposed to do, right? You're not, you're not going to get big pats on the back for just simply doing what you're supposed to do. Uh, the Knicks beat the Pistons, at least so far this season. They have shown they can beat the Pistons. They are 3-0 and now against Detroit this year. I don't think they play them again for, uh, for quite some time. I don't think they play them again until January. But uh, this was about as predictable as you could get, right? And, and, and the Knicks are predictable. Outside of that Thunder game this year where they gave up, what was it, 145? The Knicks generally do what they're supposed to do. They generally beat the teams they're supposed to beat. And they generally lose to the teams that they should lose to. As I said last night, the Knicks, by definition, are mid. They're middle of the road. They're not real good. They're not real bad. And sometimes you find yourself in the middle of the road, and it wasn't the way you drew it up. With the Knicks, this has kind of been the plan. This is kind of the way they drew it up this year. They were hoping to be better than what they were last year. They finished, what, eight or nine games under five hundred last year. The Knicks, from the beginning of the season, before the season began, as the season has gone along, they have the look of a team that is smack dab in the middle of the road. Not real good, not real bad. And you can be frustrated by it. You can be upset by it. You can be kind of tired about it. But you can't be surprised. You can't be surprised that this is where the Knicks find themselves a little more than 20 games into the season And it almost feels like at this point, I don't know, maybe it's just me. And I certainly want to get your thoughts on it if you're, you know, watching the Knicks night in and night out like I am. It kind of feels like we're waiting for something to happen. We're waiting for some change to come about. And and look, it's not it doesn't feel like the change will come from within uh, in terms of the rotation or in terms of the playing time for players. It feels like you're waiting for something to happen, a trade 
Uh, I know there's a lot of Nick fans who are holding out the, the, the candles for a coaching change. You're waiting for something to click, either in terms of, you know, the issues of the first 21 games of the season, R.J. Barrett's offense or, or the defense, especially on threes. But that's kind of where you feel like you're at right now with the Knicks. They're kind of middle of the road. Maybe if everything goes right, they might be a little bit better than that. More than likely, things won't go all according to plan, and they might be a little bit less than that. But when you're going from a year where you were as bad as they were last year, you're hoping for a little bit better uh, production from your stars, and you're hoping with the the acquisition of of Jalen Brunson that you're going to be a little bit better than that, you can't expect to be a whole lot better than that. It, It wasn't all that much change. And it seems pretty clear at this point where this group is kind of at. So barring a move, uh, what they need to have happen, really, unless a a trade is coming here down the pike, they need R.J. Barrett to find a shot. And that's been the one of the major things that has not clicked so far this year. When the trade for Donovan Mitchell did not go down, I think for most of you know for for most of us that were not heartbroken that the deal did not, I was disappointed because you would like to have seen what that next step could have been with a player like that. But I wasn't all heart you know I wasn't all um, fully on board of just you know give them whatever they want, take the draft picks, take the players, take everything. But you were thinking, at least I was. All right, well we're still where we're at. We still have all the assets that we still have, and I think that R.J. Barrett is a player that is going to take that next step. Uh, he's a guy, hardworking guy, seems to improve every single year, even if it's just by small steps and it's not giant leaps. And you were hoping that this year he was going to take that next step, be it more efficient, uh, down with a point guard to run the offense, and it's been a major step back. So it's a good win tonight. The Knicks need every win they can get because, as we mention all the time with the Knicks, if you start to fall three, four, five games under 500 with the talent that they have, it's going to take you heaven, moving heaven and earth to get back to just break even. So even with a step forward, this is a team that's you know going to be finishing out right around 500, and they're hoping that 500 gets them in. That's what they're hoping for. And we shall see. If they can have more nights like this, that would be great. I don't know how often teams like the Pistons are going to come up on the schedule because next up is the Milwaukee Bucks. And if I'm saying that we know how the Knicks are going to play against the bad teams, we know how the Knicks are going to play against the good teams, you can have a good read on how things are going to go against Milwaukee. So we shall see. It was a good win tonight. You hope that things are starting to get pointed in the right direction, at least a little bit more not so schizophrenic where it's the highs and the lows. But unfortunately, with the where the Knicks are at, they, they are predictable, man. You know what kind of team you're generally going to get. And and the improvements, I think, have to kind of come in, in on the margins, right? Like you're hoping that the three-point defense is not going to be this bad all the time. If they could simply be league average, that would be a major improvement. And it really comes down to more so the guys on the court than the guys who are running the organization. And, you know, I think it's been pretty clear as well what the plan has been with this Knicks regime. It has been, hey, we're going to come in. We're not going to tear it down. We're not going to build things for the next three to five years. We're going to look to um, put something on the floor that is – is at least, you know, a foundation of respectable play, hope to make the playoffs, and then remain flexible so that when that big star becomes available, 
we will be in position to strike. We will have assets to be able to do that. We'll have some players that might be able to do that. And it seemed like that was the case when it was talked about Donovan Mitchell. That didn't happen. So now you're kind of back at square one. But here's the thing with this regime. And, I, and look, we all agreed that when, the, you know, whoever comes on board, that you're not going to be able to attract the star by just simply tearing down the team and hoping for the ping pong balls. That has not worked out for the Knicks. So this was a different approach. The problem is, year one, this approach is fine, right? Everybody's going to remain flexible. Okay, that's fine. You know, take year one, and year one was great. But then year two comes along, and, and it was a major step back. And it was much more in line, I think, with what the expectations should be. So now you're here in year three, and if you want to build something and yet still kind of remain flexible, you're still sitting around saying, well, we're still kind of in the same place that we've been in. We haven't taken – it's great that we haven't taken any major step backwards this year, but you'd like to think at this point, right, if, if you're not taking the step forward now, when is it going to happen? 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number, 1-800-919-3776. So the Knicks go out tonight, get a win against the Pistons. Good stuff there, and we will see just how long the uh, good vibes will continue. At least for one night, it feels like Knicks fans can um, sit back and enjoy – and here's the thing with Nick, and this is really, I think, the best indication to me, is that I feel like even Nick fans are kind of middle of the road with this team because they see what this team, you know, they see the, 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 the range of possibilities with this Knicks team. And it's not the, the, you know, sizable step forward that you're hoping for in year three of a regime change. And Nick fans, they're the most optimistic fan base that you have in this town. They are on board. They are fully invested. They are loyal. They are, I mean, that you could not ask any more out of the fan base. They're patient. They will put up with things. If you show them a plan, they'll be able to be in on the plan. But now year three, and this is where you're sitting. So good win tonight. It's great that you handled your business. But it's going to take, I think, a little bit more for uh, most of us to get excited about a 30-point win over the Detroit Pistons. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number, 1-800-919-3776. Let's go out to the phones. We'll start things off with uh, Jan is in Yonkers. Jan, you're first up on ESPN New York. Yes, hi, Gordon. How you doing? Have, I'm good, Jan. Hope What's going Thanksgiving on, man? Was, hope your Thanksgiving was great. Same to you. Um, there's just too much. Yes, I'm happy they won tonight against the Detroit Pistons. Okay. There's just too much inconsistency with this team. R.J. Barrett, I don't know where his game is at. Had he been as good as he was last year, we probably would have beat Memphis and we would have beat uh, Portland. You let uh, that team come in here to the Garden and Jeremy Grant scores 40 points. And Simons, I think, had 41. Our defense against a three-point shot is horrible. To say the least. Yeah, I mean, and I think yes, it's the worst in the, of the of... league. <laughs> it truly and is. I think. I, I think it's the, the. I think they have the worst three-point defense in the entire league. <laughs> and you know, looking moving forward, you know, I can't really say if they're going to be in the playoffs or in the play-in. Uh, R.J. Barrett's game. I don't know. Uh, Julius only had four, even though he did very well tonight. Happy birthday to him. He only had fourteen points against Memphis the other night. And I'm just a little mystified about Evan Fournier still on the bench. Uh, I, I don't I don't see this team really going too far. It's a shame because we have Jalen Brunson, who's a great point, uh, point guard. He needs a lot of help. He can't score 30 points every night. So your thoughts 
and thank you for taking my call. As far as the future of this team this year, play-in, playoffs, yes or no. Thank you for I, taking my call. Yeah, Jan, I mean, I think that the I think it's pretty clear, right? Like, they are a team that if everything goes well, they're going to be a play-in type team. I don't see them as being one of the top six seeds in the East. Um, I, I don't even know that I'd be willing to bet all that much that they're going to be uh, even a play-in team. But at least – there, you know, there's enough bad team. Maybe the most valuable player on the uh, for the Knicks is not on the Knicks. It's the fact that that kid, what is his name, Wemba Yamba, is in the draft this year. That so many teams are probably going to be tanking, so there might be some more easy wins for the Knicks at some point here. Uh, and a lot of teams that by midseason will not be trying to win. So maybe that might be something that they have to look forward to because when they go up against the good teams, it's clear they don't measure up. They're better than the worst teams. They're not going to be. And unfortunately, in the NBA and, and in a lot of sports, it feels like that's the worst position to be in. And, and sometimes you find yourself in that position uh, just by circumstance. It kind of feels like with the Knicks, this has been the plan. Right, put out a, a a semi-respectable product where you're not winning 17 games or 20 games like the previous regimes did. I get that, and if you're going to ever be able to attract a star free agent, you have to have something around them. They don't want to come here and be the savior. I get that. Um, so that's all well and good, but you'd like to think by year three, you would the plan forward would be a little bit more set in stone, and it just kind of feels like with this Knicks team. They're kind of treading water. And look, as bad as RJ has been, Jalen Brunson's been good. You know, you could completely understand if Jalen Brunson coming to a new team, uh, big city, big contract, didn't live up to those expectations early on or had some, you know, difficulty adjusting to his new team. That hasn't been the case. He's been great. He's been fine. He's, he's not been uh, part of the problem, really. He's given you what you would have expected uh, under uh, the, the best-case scenario coming in. But the Knicks just have, you know, the, the roster's a little strange. You know, Fournier, it seems like he's now just kind of resigned to the bench because he wasn't shooting well. And if he's not shooting well, he doesn't give you anything. So, yeah, I think at some point here the Knicks are going to have to figure out a path forward where they do have to, you know, they want to kind of keep this flexibility so that when the, the big star, the disgruntled superstar becomes available, they can, they can strike and they have some pieces available, be it draft picks and players, that they can kind of put a package together. But I think here, you know, the roster being what it is, I think they're going to have to kind of de, um, choose a, a path forward here and, and make a tough call on, on, on a couple of players on the team and just kind of get a little bit more of a, a defined rotation and take some of the pieces that are not really giving you a whole lot and, and see if you can find something that gives you a little better uh, production because it's it's not there right now. And it's probably only going to be a little step forward, but a little step forward might be a little closer to the play-in. And I think, I think that that's the only realistic goal that you could have. Anything more than that, I think, is being unrealistic. Let's go out to uh, Sharif is in the Bronx. Sharif, you're next up on ESPN New York. Hey. hey, how's it going, man? How are you? I'm good, Sharif. What's going on, man? Good, man. Uh, the biggest standout for me in this game in the past few games has been Grimes' presence, especially on the defensive end. I think he's that missing piece that we've been needing for a long time. Like, RJ's had a lot of pressure signing the contract. Everybody's looking for him to average 23 this year and be an all-star player. And I think a player with like Grimes that brings that defensive presence can knock down that open shot makes the game come easier for RJ. I don't think he needs to be 
looking to score 25 a night anymore. I think he'll get better as he always does throughout the season. But having that extra piece, uh, a lot of games that we lost throughout the season, I think had Grimes been there as effective, effective as he's looking now, I think we'll be three, four games above 500 right now. Thank you for taking my call. All right, Sharif. I mean, look, I, I like Grimes. Uh, his his loss has been a big loss with him being out with that uh, was it the foot injury or whatnot. So, yeah, I mean, having some defense, especially in the backcourt and closing out on threes, that would certainly help, as I mentioned. You know, if the Knicks could simply uh, get back to league average defending the three, that would be a big uh, push forward. Uh, in terms of being three or four games over 500, I, I mean, I just take, again, go through the schedule through 21 games. And realistically. I mean, sure, there's some games where you say to yourself, like the Portland game or the Memphis game, those games could have went either way. But those weren't, to me, those weren't egregious losses. Those teams are kind of in the mix of where the Knicks are at. Uh, Outside of the Thunder game, which was, you know, that's completely inexcusable, the Knicks are kind of where you expect them to be. Maybe a a game or two better. That's possible. And if Grimes can stay healthy and and get some run going here, and if they can get Reddish back kind of in the mix to where he was playing earlier, uh, yeah, maybe the things could be a little bit better, but I think it's really on the margins. I don't look at that at any of the parts of the Knicks right now, and I say, you know what, the way they take this major step forward is this. I guess the one where they could take a major step forward is if R.J. Barrett could get back to playing, and not just getting back to where he was like last year, also take that kind of next step forward in, in his uh, role as a player. You know, be a little bit more efficient than he was the year before. A little bit better here or there, you know, in terms of defense or driving to the basket, whatever. I mean, he's been a guy that has been able to do that every single year. Find ways to improve his game. Uh, and unfortunately, not only has he not improved his game this year, he's taking a, uh, a major step back at least through the first, you know, quarter of the season. John is in the car. John, you're next up on ESPN New York tonight. Hey, Gordon, how are we doing? I'm good, John. What's going on, man? Good, good. Um, it's clear, it's obvious that the only way the Knicks are going to get any better uh, uh, where it's noticeable is to make a trade. Yeah. Uh, my question to you is this. Uh, do you think uh, Coach Thibs uh, uh, is not playing guys like Jericho Sims and Obi Toppin so, they, so other teams do not inquire about them? Um, and rather focus on guys they might want to get rid of, like, say, Evan Fournier, or, you know, the way R.J. Barrett's getting, uh, going right now, he looks, you know, you might, you might want to get rid of him. Yeah, I, I don't think that they're going to get rid of Barrett. Um, I think that that's one of the guys that, you know, if, if, if Barrett and, and Tibbs don't mesh, uh, that would be really weird because Barrett would seem to be the way you draw it up. Uh, for a Tibbs type of player, right? Like he's always trying to work on his game, is always trying to improve, is focused, you know, trying to play defense and all those type of things. So I, I would be surprised at that. Well, look, I mean, if they're not, <laughs> how long have they been <laughs> not wanting to trade, uh, not to want people to watch Obi Toppin? They've <laughs> they've keep him uh, pretty well uh, bundled up. Uh, you know, when you had that one little stretch where they played Randall and Toppin together, and it seemed like, oh, wait a second, maybe maybe this is starting to click. Uh, it's not, uh, it's clearly not. And, and Obi's back to his, you know, like even tonight he had what, 18 minutes tonight. It, it, it's, it's, it's hard to find a path forward for him as well. And there's other guys that you kind of, you know, you kind of like what Jericho Sims has given you when he was in there, when Mitchell Robinson was out, but he's, you know, he's not going to play nearly as much now with Robinson back. So it just kind of feels like the Knicks have a lot of the same type of players where they don't have that star player clearly. And it's about trying to find that star player. 
uh, and, and, and remaining flexible in the meantime and winning games in the meantime. So uh, it's, it's a, it is a strange spot to be in, and it's hard to think of it as being uh, a success, clearly, when you're just kind of floating around 500. But I think that's kind of the team that the Knicks have drawn up. And if you're expecting anything great from, uh, from this group of, you know, really taking off or, or this is going to happen and then all of a sudden they're going to kind of hit their stride, uh, I think that you're, I think you're being a little delusional. And I think maybe that first year of how, again, remember that first year, they were basically a 500 team and then they made the, the, the Derrick Rose move and then they won, I think it was seven or eight in a row, and then they moved up to the fourth seed. That was, I think, pretty clear now, a complete aberration. That is not what this team is going to be. And, and the way they are playing right now, it's kind of the way they've drawn it up. This is kind of the team that they are. You hope for it to be a little bit better, and it can be a little bit better if R.J. Barrett starts playing a little bit better. It can be a little bit better if Quentin Grimes can get a little bit more run now coming off the injury. Maybe things start to, to gel in terms of what the rotation is, and you can find some, some cohesion there. But I think overall, this is what you got. This is what you drew up. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Coming up, we'll get more of your phone calls on the Knicks. We've got to talk some football as we'll take you up until midnight tonight. It is Gordon Damer flying solo. ESPN New York tonight, 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. This is ESPN New York tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Uh, all right, so we've been talking a lot about the Knicks. They get the win over the Pistons tonight, kind of get back in the uh, win column after the uh, frustrating overtime loss to the Trailblazers. The, uh, the what was it, four point, five point loss to the Grizzlies the other night at the Garden. So uh, we will see hey, where the Knicks can go from here. Uh, there are some winnable games coming up. It would seem right. Um, you know, they got. I think they got the the Kings coming up fairly soon. Um, uh, they got uh, who is they got the Bucks obviously tomorrow night, and then I think it's the Mavericks, the Cavs, the Hawks. Look, when, when you're sitting where the Knicks are sitting at, you have to take advantage of games like tonight because the Knicks have proven that while they have. You know, sometimes these the, the games that they're supposed to win, those are a little shaky. The fact that tonight was so easy and it was a nice, easy night, uh, that's, that's the rarity with the Knicks. So they got to have to find a way to pick off some of these teams that maybe they're not supposed to beat uh, and kind of keep things afloat. Because, again, three, four, five games under 500, we've seen it with teams before. You get to that level, and when you're the Knicks, a team like that that's kind of you know, they're not likely going to go on a five, six game, uh, you know, uh, winning streak. That's not likely going to happen. It's going to be a couple wins here, a couple of losses there. And you hope that it starts to click as you get deeper into, you know, December and uh, the new year. But right now, this is this is kind of what you got. So you really should, you know, you can be upset. You can be annoyed. You can be frustrated, especially with the, the, the Trailblazer loss. It felt like that was one that the Knicks could have gotten. The Grizzlies' loss felt like that was one that was there for them as well. And they're going to have to find a way to, some, to win some games here and kind of keep it afloat while you figure some things out and hope that uh, R.J. Barrett starts to find his way and that things start clicking in terms of um, you know where they're at in the regular season. All right, let's talk some football because uh, we have waited for a long time to have December games that are meaningful. And when it comes to the Jets and Giants this week, certainly have that. Now, we talked a lot about the Jets yesterday, and uh, we'll discuss some because you know how like you were, you've been sitting here and it feels like the pile-on to Zach Wilson has started to get a little bit too much, 
and you're wondering, you know, like, the, where's the Mike White bandwagon? And after Sunday, it was, it was loading up quickly, right? There's a couple of seats left on the bandwagon, but those seats aren't together. And then you hear some things about, uh, you know, that Mike White's a franchise quarterback. You realize that it's silly season already. And we still have, you know, this is only Tuesday. Can you imagine what the things that are going to be said? Could you imagine if Mike White goes out on Sunday and puts, you know, puts up similar numbers again? Puts up 300 yards. The Jets score 30 points. He throws three touch. They very well might, at the next home game, they might give him one of those Jets green jackets. You know, they might put him in the ring of honor right there. They might be forced to. They might not have a choice. They might be forced to put Mike White in the ring of honor two games into the season. Uh, but we'll get to the Jets in a little bit. I did want to touch on the Giants because, uh, you know, Rick and Dave this morning, DPH and Rothenberg, had a very interesting conversation about the Giants and where they're sitting as they get ready this week. Washington, one of their first two games against Washington, still two games against Washington, still two games against the Eagles, and where the Giants are sitting at as they are now 7-4 and four in the season and the schedule that they still have. And it depends on who you listen to and what stats you're going by. But I've seen many times now that the Giants have the most difficult remaining schedule in the NFL this year. And uh, with the way that the NFC East is bunched up and the fact that the Giants still have four games left against NFC East opponents, you can understand why that is. Washington's been real hot, has gotten themselves certainly back into the playoff conversation. The Eagles have been the class of the division pretty much all season, if not the class of the NFC all year. And then you have a game, a trip to uh, Minnesota. And then they have a game at home against the Colts, which you would say, oh, that's a, that's a very winnable game. But are the Colts all that much worse than what the Lions were when the Giants had a game at home that that was a very winnable game? So the conversation they were having on DNR earlier this morning was, if the Giants fail to make the playoffs this year, how would you um, describe that season? Would that season be a failure? Would that season just simply be a disappointment? I think the way that I would describe it is I think that the season would then kind of be a waste. It would kind of feel like a wasted season because this was, year again, year one of a regime. This is the time to kind of filter out, especially after the offseason the Giants had where the, the front office really couldn't do anything at all. So that's kind of where the expectations for me came from. If you're taking over this team that has been one of the worst, if not the worst teams in the NFL for the last five years, a roster that is filled with holes. You can't really do anything because of the salary cap situation that they were forced to have. Now, they did have two first-round picks, which was great. Um, but, you know, the expectations for the Giants coming into this year, I think, were more about where are they going to be in the draft rather than when we get to December, what position could they be in terms of a playoff team? It really wasn't until maybe the Packers game where you started to think, hey, this, this Giants team absolutely could make the playoffs. So I think it's too strong of a point to say that the year would be a failure if you don't make the playoffs. It can only be a failure if you have a playoff mandate at some point, right, or a playoff expectation at some point. That's a failure. If you can't get to the playoffs when the expectation the entire time has been the playoffs or the postseason or winning a postseason game or something along those lines, that would be one thing. That, I know that, you know, when the Giants were sitting at 7-2, and two, people were saying, you know, and the odds were in the 70s, the 80s of where they should, you know, of, of making the postseason this year. To me, even with those numbers being what they were, 
it always kind of felt like this is kind of like fools go like it didn't seem real, right? Like it was a shock that the Giants were sitting at six and two or six and one after the Jacksonville win, seven and two after beating Houston. It never felt like that they were this great team. And that's why when we were talking about Brian Dable, we were all saying, well, this guy's clearly the coach of the year. The fact that he's been able to take over this roster and get seven wins in nine games out of a team that I think the over-under for the season was seven and a half. That's a miraculous job. But at no point was I saying, well, you know what? He absolutely has to get in the playoffs now because even when the schedule came out, we all took a look at the schedule and said the Giants' schedule is far more difficult in the second half, and that wasn't even before. That was before we thought that Washington would be as good as they were. So I don't think that I would say that the season is a is a is a failure. Disappointment, sure. You could be disappointed, and it's really kind of based on where you put your expectation when they were seven and two. For me, even when they were seven and two, it kind of felt like this was too good to be true. And when they lost the Lions, when we were on with Larry that night, you know, the, the Monday night after it we were having a conversation of like, do you look at this as being just one bad day at a bad time where they lose to a team that they should have beat at home? Or do you look at this as being, uh Oh, th- this is where it starts to, to point the other direction. Now I was willing to say at the time that I thought it was probably just a bad day. And it was a, a, a you know, that, that's a team you can't be losing to. I know that they weren't, you know, heavy favorites at home, but you, you cannot be, if you're, if you have visions of the playoffs in mind, uh, uh, I think it was a three-win Detroit team at the time. You can't be losing to a three-win Detroit team at home. The, when they went into that stretch of Jacksonville, Seattle, Houston, and Detroit, we said you got to come out of this stretch three and one. After you beat Baltimore to move to five and one on the season, you have to be able to take care of business against Seattle, uh, Jacksonville, Seattle, Houston, and Detroit. You can lose one of them, and they did to Seattle. That you know, tough road trip. You're going all the way to Seattle. That, that, that was there was nobody saying anything about that at the time. But the Detroit loss, that's one. If the Giants fail to make the playoffs this year, that feel outside of a loss to Indianapolis. If they lost to Indianapolis, you'd feel the same way. The Washington games, you figure you'll probably split those. The Philadelphia game, you hope to be able to find a way to win one of those, and then you're at nine wins. And you should probably be in. But it does, it does kind of feel like if you don't, you know, there's two paths that you can go down in the first year of a new regime. And it felt like with the Giants, it was kind of clear what road that there, it was going to be an evaluation year. It was going to be, let's find out about the quarterback. Let's find out, is Saquon Barkley somebody we're going to, you know, sign to a big-time extension that makes him one of the highest-paid running backs in the game after this season? And what else is on this roster that we have to move forward with. It was not about wins and losses. But when you get into the year and you get the win against Tennessee in the opening week and you move to 2-0 and and then you're sitting there at, what, 5-1 and and 6-1 and and you're beating Green Bay and you're beating Baltimore, you're looking around the, the landscape of the NFC and you're like thinking to yourself, you know, are we actually this good? And they have been. And then the injuries come and they've lost now three or four, so you have to find a way to get some wins. But if the Giants don't make the playoffs this year, to me it will not be a failure. It will kind of feel like a wasted season because between the two paths you can go, either evaluation or win now, they'll kind of be in the middle ground, kind of like the Knicks. And that's the worst place you want to be. You don't want to be you know, sitting on the outside of the playoffs looking in. Now, it would be kind of acceptable, you know, not acceptable, but it would be excusable for the Giants because – 
this is the first year of the regime, and this is the first year where, you know, you got a new head coach and you're finding out about him and you like where you're at with him. So you can get by with that the first year. But the problem with that is if the Giants win nine games this year and if they make the playoffs, they don't make the playoffs. That's now the expectation for next year. You don't get to go back and say, well, yes, we won nine games last year. That will buy us some time. That will buy us some credibility. If we take a step back next year, that will be, no, no, no. That's not the way it works. That becomes the new expectation. So no matter how many games the the Giants win, no matter how the season ends this year, whether it ends in the playoffs, if it ends with a thud losing a bunch of these games here down the stretch, that will be the expectation moving forward. And it'll just kind of be like, you know, you didn't get the one in terms of going to the playoffs and actually getting back into the postseason. And you're going to be sitting here with like the 15th or 16th pick in the draft. It's the middle ground. And right now in sports, that's like kind of the worst place to be. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. 1-800-919-3776. Coming up, we'll touch some uh, jet stuff. We'll get to the craziness of the Mike White bandwagon, which is filling up quickly. And we'll take more of your phone calls. We take you up until midnight tonight. It is ESPN New York tonight. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. But no matter how, the Knicks could have won by 60, and apparently it would not have been, clearly would not have been as big a win as the U.S. Bing bong! Uh, and the World Cup. Yeah, in case you missed it, the U.S. able to scrape by by the skin of their teeth and beat Iran today, a match that they had to win. They would have tied, or if it would have been a draw, the U.S. would have been out. Iran would have moved on, and it would have been, I mean, I, I don't even think I'm understanding that. I think that would have been a national embarrassment if we had not been, I mean, like, how is it that we are still not good at, at, at soccer? I mean, we're good enough, I guess, to get into the, into the, the knockout stage. But shouldn't shouldn't the pro you know like uh, kind of like the Knicks shouldn't the progress kind of be coming here by now? And the celebration afterwards, you I mean, I, I look for the players, I get it, but the people on Twitter, like, everybody with their gifs and gifs and uh, guys, we you, you won by like the skin of your teeth. The thing came down to the final. I saw before, oh, they're gonna win easily. They're gonna be able to take care of Iran, no problem. They know what's on the line. They're going to take care take care of it. They got a goal in the first half. They could have had another one. Apparently, it was offsides. And look, I shouldn't complain. At least it was more exciting than that England match. That one, that was a bore. Oh, my gosh. And if you ever mention that on Twitter, all the, so- oh, the soccer people come out. Oh, my God. They come out of the world. Oh, oh, what do you like? I like sports that are the next evolution of soccer. The next evolution of soccer is essentially all the sports that we end up watching. Football, American football, NFL football, college football, NBA, college basketball, hockey. I don't watch that, but, you know, those are all variations of soccer. And they're all better. They're, they're, they're like soccer 2.0, 3.0, 4.0. They're all better. There's more scoring, there's more excitement, there's less lag time. They're all, all of them are improved. They took the game and they improved it. There's two goals, right? You're trying to put the ball or the puck in the net. There might be somebody defending, there might not be somebody defending. 
Now, I, I try. Look, I've tried. I'm, 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 I'm in my 50s. I've tried to like soccer. I was raised on it. My parents are born and raised in Scotland. Trust me, I have been introduced to the game. I've seen the game. I've tried the game. I don't like the game. It's not for me. Not for me. And it's for you. And that's great. We don't all have to agree. But I would, you, you have to at least be honest. The England-U.S. matchup was a complete snooze fest. Nobody, it didn't even seem like anybody was trying to score. Harvey, you're a big soccer person. You love this World Cup. It's your first sport. You love it more than it, life itself. Would you admit, if, if, just be honest for a second, the U.S.-England match, that was a snooze. It was not uh, pretty for the most part. And the fact, look, I guess it's admirable when the fans come on Twitter and say that they played well and that they deserve to draw. But, I mean, there were four shots on target combined between the two teams. That's another thing. I don't get, like, I don't get the game. I get it. I'm, it's not for me. I get it. I just don't understand how they, they can miss the goal by so much, so often. Things as big as a house. Well, <laughs> I mean, there are, as, as, the, as I guess in the old timers would say, you know, they get paid to stop goals as well. Oh, um, no. no. I'm not talking about ones that get blocked. I'm talking about ones that they kick and they miss it by a mile. Well, look, I mean, for the U.S., this entire tournament has been a complete um, analysis of how they lack the scoring required. I mean, that seems like an important part of the game, the scoring part. For sure. I mean, they've only scored two goals. Two goals. Right. Three three matches. And they play the Dutch on Saturday, who today. the Dutch are awesome. I lo- I have them as one of my so, dark so horses. So we're going to get knocked out. This is just a stay of execution. Well, they'll give them a run because the way the Dutch are set up, it kind of invites the U.S. to, I guess, either hold the ball more or get them chances on the counter. But the Netherlands are just so much better technically in midfield, in attack. They're, mm. I guess, more physical in defense. Right. So stay of execution is a bit strong. but um, They're no, going to get knocked t- out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I mean, how can you say that's too strong? <laughs> They're clearly going to lose. Uh, I mean. And that- I've, look, I've tried again. I always make an honest effort to try to get into it. I, I, I put my money on it to, to you know, sometimes you, you throw a couple of bucks on somebody. It gives you a rooting interest. Not even money has helped this time. Not it, even FanDuel has helped me this time. Is it the fact? Well, I, I don't want to like play like pop therapist or pop psychologist, right. but for you. Is it just what is it exactly? The is whole thing. The, the whole. The whole the, I hate every every part about it. All right. Well, hates a bit. I hate. Strong. I hate the the stupid clock that you, it, it's a secret when the the match ends. By every, the way, just for every a- other sport, you know exactly when it's going to end. Soccer, it's a secret. We're keeping it a secret, and you'll find it's a big surprise. It's like a surprise party at the. Oh, it's over. There we go. It's and over I, now. And I've heard this, but I'm gonna I'm gonna try to help everybody out who's listening. The reason mm-hmm. why we're getting so many minutes uh, at the end of halftime and full time. Is because they're trying to make up for the minutes that I guess are quote unquote lost during the action. So you know what you could. And this is not your fault, Harvey. You're not responsible for it. But uh, you could just stop the clock, right? Somebody gets hurt, you stop the clock, you hold it there. Hold on a second. Is somebody down? I don't know. Look, and, and here's the thing: they don't need to change a thing. Like I know a lot of anti-soccer people are like, oh, they got to change this. They got to. They don't have to change anything. The game is insanely popular everywhere else. But I think it's mainly because everywhere else they don't have the 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 longstanding um, you know uh, 
sports that are improvements. Basically, they're the same kind of game, but they're improvements on the, the fundamentals of the game. And think of it this way. Ironically, the fact that the World Cup is being held here, like not here, but like, you know, the month of November into December when yeah. normally it's held in from June, July right. to Usually August. Usually I'm on vacation. I can miss the whole thing completely. <laughs> I love it. it. Even that, where it's, you have the football and the football, and that still doesn't do it for anybody. I guess. No. I guess the the we, we were talking during the break that the 10 a.m. clock times do it does nothing for yeah, you. Yeah, the match on there's a match at 10 a.m. 10 a.m. is too. I, sports is not in the in the a.m. for me. I, even the even the NFL when they have like the games in London or they have games overseas, um, I, I don't like the the early start times. And unless it's my team playing, I very rarely. You know, I'll check in in the fourth quarter if it's a close game, but I don't like. I don't know how people on the West Coast do it. You wake up, you drink a coffee, the sports on. I, I need. I need to ease into the day a little bit. I can't. I can't jump in that quickly. So um, now, more importantly, uh, is Spain? Dis- I put mon- my money. I put a unit on Spain, and I put half a unit on um, Belgium because I, I think it was two weeks ago on the Saturday show. I said I put the call out to the soccer people. Who should I be putting my money on? And I got to be honest. Every single one of those clowns that called the Saturday show has been wrong. They gave me all these teams that I think they've already been knocked out. They've all been like the major disappointments of the tournament so far. So is 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 um, is Belgium still doing all right? Are they still part of the mix here, Harvey? Belgium is doing all right. They are hanging in there. The fact that they beat um, – Oh, they're the ones that are playing on Friday, right? Or Thursday. So Belgium and Croatia – well, they played each other on Thursday. But Spain, right. your guys, Spain, they played Japan on Thursday as well, which um, – I have Spain them, favored. Right? They, they to me are like the best passing Spain. team. Yes, yeah, Spain of okay. every other team because they don't play with a traditional striker, but so they could just move the ball about and flow and and it's just like so pretty when they play. Nice. So for me, besides Bel- Brazil and Argentina, they're like my third favorites to win the thing. Spain is yes. You see, I, I wanted that going in. I didn't want the two heavy favorites, so I went off. No, but nobody uh, suggested Spain of the callers that called in. Yeah, Belgium. Also, you know, they were saying. Uh, who was they? Senegal? Somebody? Was it? I can't remember all the you're, ones. You're in a all bit, the teams that have been like the major disappointments. That's who people brought up. Senegal's advanced to the to the next okay. round. Okay, so all right. That's it wasn't something. Senegal then. Somebody somebody called and said. I think they might have said Senegal because it was hot. It's hot in Qatar, so you should take a team that's used to playing in hot weather. I didn't. That didn't seem like a valid analysis. To me. I don't know so if the I, math is mathing with that analysis yeah, there. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. There's your World Cup uh, segment. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. All right. Let's go out to, uh, let's see, a couple of people want to get in on this, this World Cup. Jeremy is at the Jersey Shore. Jeremy, you're next up on ESPN New York tonight. Hey, Gordon. What's going on? I'm um, Try not to bore you, but a couple points on the national team. So you're spot on with, you know, these guys on Twitter going crazy about, you know, the draw with England and then the, the win today. Um the, the reality is, even when I saw this group draw, this was a group that I felt we should easily advance from. Um, you know, Wales is what it is. Iran, we know what, what they are as well. England, they're perennial underachievers. So to act like we beat Spain, or no, excuse me, we drew with Spain or Brazil, um, I, I don't get that. It, it, they're, they're not that great. I think they're closer to us than they are to those teams. So um, that is what it is. But with that being said, we have a lot of talent on this team that I think a lot of Americans don't understand. We are very talented. There's Now, they're young. Obviously, we know that they're, they're an incredibly young team. But the talent is there. Our midfield can compete with anybody. I don't care, anybody. The problem, of course, is the striker position. We, you know, I don't know what's going on there. We, we had right in there today. That was awful. Uh, I don't know what's going on with Reina. But 
the team can compete. So when we play the Netherlands Saturday, what I want to see is, um, obviously, we want to get that experience in the knockout stage for 2026. So we've done that. That's, that's checked off. Now I want to see them go out, take the game to the Netherlands. You're going to have to score more than one goal if you want to win, but I'll be happy if they just go out, play hard, play them tough the way they should be able to with the talent they have, um, and, and keep the game tight, keep the game close, and, and you know build on that experience going forward. But there's no reason we should not be able to compete with the Netherlands. All right. Well, there you go. All right, Jeremy. Um, I, I can't uh, dispute it because I don't know that much about it. Um, I, I just know by watching you know, what I've seen so far, uh, it, it does feel like – I almost feel like in some ways that we should, like, have a – I don't understand how we're still not great at it. Like, we have – like, we tied against Wales. They have three million people in the entire country. And Wales are awful, by the way. They're the worst team of the group, and they lost three notes to England today. They got whooped. Right. Like, how – I mean, I don't get that. We, we have enough people here. We, there's got to be some people we can throw at this problem is what I'm saying. It should, we should be better than this. Shouldn't have been like one. I mean, I mean that was and that was right down to the wire. Right down to the wire. And at first, when it when the when they said when they surprised us all that the match was over, I think a lot of people thought that there was a penalty called. I, at first glance, because I had I had something away from my eyes, I, it looked a penalty to me. But then it wasn't because you were getting a little sleepy, right? You were you were getting a little tired of it. No, nah, right? I had something in my eye, but it oh, wasn't right. tears or anything like that. It's probably uh-huh. just uh dirt whatever um so so your, your parents are from el salvador right yes sir I'm so who are you are you are you rooting for the u.s are you are you rooting do you have another team that you just like i'm rooting for argentina because i want argentina. messi to win one okay um now if not argentina then i'll just go for brazil because they are the sauciest team in in the tournament for my eyes as well as as of course you're spain as well for context Let's um, go spain for context my el salvador team hasn't made a world cup since 1982 Right. So, uh, when I hear others, I guess, um, complain that they either expect more or, you know, that should have been us there or we could have done this better. It's like, okay, try telling that to Right, to my but people. I mean, El Salvador is not a very large nation. You know, they probably, what, they have 10 million people? They know, we have 300 million people in the country. We can't find some people that can, like, get us to be the best at this or at least, you know. They're what, they're what they call a minnow, which is, you know, just lower quality team and all that stuff. Right. And when the USA played El Salvador this this past year in qualifying, they only scored one goal in between the two yeah. games. So exactly. See? That's been their biggest problem since I want to say the beginning of the year. It feels like pro- the it feels like uh, the U.S. is like the Pistons here. Like yeah, they they don't score that much, you know. Yeah, it was like comparisons to the Jets when Zach Wilson was quarterback. Right. So. Maybe they they need some more athletes. He's free on Sundays. Why not? If they could uh, bring in Mike White to Qatar, who knows? Exactly. Well, I mean, look, Mike Mike White might be that franchise striker that we've all been looking for. Um, <laughs> Carlos is in the Bronx. Carlos, you're next up on ESPN New York today. Hey, what's up, Gordon? Um, hey, Carlos. Like, um, like Harvey, I'm also Salvadorian. Okay. And, um, and you know, like, I mean, I'm listening to the station the whole day. I listen every day. And, you know, I think what bothers me with – I guess Americans, when the World Cups, everybody starts. Oh, they just watch the World Cup. One gambling, that's a big one. Oh, absolutely. I'm a full. I'm 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 completely guilty <laughs> as charged. If it were not for yeah, gambling, and, I would really be checked out. Exactly. And second, I think. Oh, you just you know they want to oh make like you just say like what you just say like oh you want to make the sport better. Oh, I don't know. I. Like I, I 
A hundred percent. I'll let you continue, Carlos. A hundred percent. No, I do not need to improve the sport. The sport does not need to change for me. I just don't like what the sport is. They don't need to change. They're obviously doing it right. People care about the sport everywhere else, but here they don't need to change a thing. Yeah, but you say like, oh, like football is evolution of soccer, and then basketball. Oh, that's hockey, true too. That. You know, is you could say is evolution, but it's been going on for hundreds of years. You know, and. You know, like Americans don't pay attention to it as much, I guess, is because it's not the first sport. Like right. in Salvador, in Europe, in Absolutely. Asia, whatever, every other country, that's the first sport. That's the only sport. And over here in the United States, you know, thank God, you know, we have options. Absolutely. And for the people that are in, you know, our countries, especially like one like mine, like Harvey's in Salvador, it's a means of getting out of poverty. So you get, you go to the sport and then you, they trained you since you were like five, six years old in only one sport. And yeah. in the United States, you you play football, you right? Play you get filtered into the other sports, right? If you're if you're exactly. a world class, you know, a professional track, you're gonna get filtered into to, exactly. to football or basketball exactly. or something. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly, and you know, like the athletes, the best athletes, they're gonna channel them to whatever you know is their best sport. You know, be it baseball, be a football, be a basketball. But in our countries and other countries, they just focus on soccer and soccer and soccer and soccer. So that's why they are better than us. Lately, we've been getting better, no doubt about it. And hopefully, Carlos, how old are you? 2026. How old are you, Carlos? Okay, so I'm 52. I'm I'm 20 years older than you. I've been hearing for 20 years before you were born (laughs) that the U.S. is getting better at this. It doesn't feel like the progress is all that fast. Oh, no, no, I understand. But mind you, 19 what was last last time 1998 when it was the World Cup back in you know in the United States I mean 94 I'm sorry it was the boom like soccer was going to be the next sport but it didn't happen no. because we there's so many options in the United States that it, you don't specialize you know in one sport like just soccer right so no, it's going to take years for us to become right. a world power so you know so there's so it says but you know like Earlier, Michael K. and Don and Peter, you know, oh, uh, I want to change this, change that. Oh, no, no, you no. Know, that's that's, that's, that's like incorrect. Amer- they don't Americans need to change anything. They don't change it to their way, you know. Right. It's just, I don't think it's, it's, it's right, I guess. Right. Because, is you know, Americans invented basketball, baseball, football, you know, so it's, you know, is ours, I guess. American. Yeah. Team. Well, we're, we're, and and for the well, same reason, is, is the, and, and, the whole world. Yeah. Yeah, sir, Carlos. And thanks for the phone call. You know, for the same reason that the the you know people of all the different countries they love the sport that they have, um, because they were raised in it and they were you know that's their tradition. That's our tradition here. Be it football or be it basketball, or be it baseball. So we have, you know, other things uh, to go with. So I, I just uh, it just is amazing to me that these smaller countries, even though they have the I guess the infrastructure of training and programs and all that. You know, it's not like we're hurting for resources here. We got people. We got, you know, kids are all, I mean, every kid everywhere plays soccer at some stage of their life at this point. And it feels like it's been that way since the, at least the 80s, maybe the 90s. Kids all play soccer on the weekend. And I just, I don't understand why we're not, uh, you know, we got, we got enough stuff here that we should be able to be picking up the, and I've been hearing for, you know, at least 20 years. I don't know. It's coming. Don't worry. The wave is coming. Meanwhile, we're, we're, we're fighting tooth and nail to beat Iran. 
in the closing seconds. It doesn't seem like it makes a lot of sense to me. I'm sorry. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. 1-800-919-3776. Coming up, more of your phone calls. We'll get more, more into the uh, NFL, other sports that are more exciting. All that and more, only here on 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN.